You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Netflix showrunner Deborah J. Fisher. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I think that's one of the things we love to do about the show and talking about the tone in terms of, yes, murder is terrible. It's illegal. It's bad. People get arrested and go to jail for murder. But there's this gray area of what we try to do with the tone of the show, balancing the light and the dark. We really want to highlight and show nuance that gray area in the flashbacks and seeing her past and what she has done. We really want to highlight one of the things we talked about in season one, these systems, these establishments in place that keep people down, things like that, that what she's had to go through and overcome with abuse, sexual abuse, things like that. So there is a gray area for people and growing up in certain ways and capacities. I think for everyone, teenagers are very complicated. (laughs) I think Ginny and Georgia, we go through so much. And I think what we really wanted to do with this show, with mental health, with self-harm, with anxiety, with depression, with eating disorders, we wanted to show a really grounded representation of a deaf family. And we just are there. It's just, they do it, like American Sign Language, they just sign to each other. We're just there. So that was always our goal is to try to be as grounded and as authentic as possible. And I think where teens and even adults are, it's through the lens. We're talking a lot more about mental health out on social media, out in the world, how important it is. We've all just lived through a global pandemic. And I think it's really important to show grounded representations of those people on screen, diversity. These are all things that people really, it makes them feel a part of. And it's something that's like so important. So we, even when it's apparently seeming like your parents are, I think we showed that in season one with Abby, like her parents going through a divorce, everything seems great on the outside. But then when you open the door and get on the inside struggling, everyone's fighting a battle that you really can't see. It's like the theme always, you open the door, you pull back the curtain and there's always something behind there always. And that's just the ground of representation that we really wanted to show with Ginny and Georgia. With Ginny, one of the things that we also really wanted to do in terms of her self-help, it was always 100%. We always, representation and lived perspectives in front of and behind the camera. That's always been at the forefront and very important for us. So in terms of mental health, we have people that have that lived experience. And so we would seek out true mental health professionals. We worked with Mental Health America and we worked with a psychologist. Her name's Dr. Taji Huang, who's special in self-harm therapy. So she would read our scripts. We would consult with her about our storylines. She would watch our cuts and have very specific thoughts. And in success of a season two, we always wanted to bring in Zion as a father because in season one, Zion's in three episodes. We hear Jenny talk about him, but we don't get a sense of how close are they? And they're very, very close. We really wanted to show that father figure helping her get into therapy and that you have a parent like Georgia, who doesn't want therapy. And that sort of threatens her and how she grew up and she doesn't believe in it, but goes to therapy with Ginny and learns a lot about herself in that and how she really, truly doesn't understand her daughter. So we really took as much care as we could with people who had lived experiences, with professionals, just to try to make it as authentic as possible. And I think that's really translating on screen because people really are identifying with it. Like you say, it's so important to talk about. It's okay that you're not okay. 
It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to talk to your parents about it and your friends. This is all okay. We're all feeling like the same way. We all do. I will just say that show running is such a hard job. <laughs> it's a very unique position. I try to tell people, they're like, what is a showrunner? I mean, it seems obvious, right? Showrunner. It's not really that obvious. I'm like the CEO of a company. So in addition to the creative, the scripts, the writer's room, what comes out, actors being on set, I also have to have my eye on and a part of building sets, budgets, things like that. So my brain is split into half managerial and then half creative. And then I have Sarah Lambert who's the creator is a huge part of the creator. So if I'm not in the writer's room, she's in the writer's room. And then I can come in and hear what everyone's been doing for the last two hours while I've been helping to hire our department heads and get our new sets built and things like that. So then when we're in the writer's room, do I have a favorite character? That is a very hard question because they're all my family. <laughs> I love all the characters. I think that in some ways, because obviously I'm not a murderer, I do identify a lot with Georgia in writing scenes with Georgia in them. But then again, also with the kids, because I was a teenager once <laughs> as well. So I love writing the teen shows as much as I write Georgia scenes with the guys and Paul and Zion so much fun. I'm obsessed with Joe. Love writing Joe. So it's hard to say, but I will say probably there's things about Georgia because she's so complicated and so nuanced. And I think we all are in a way. It's so much fun to write her because you're putting on so many different hats and masks when you're writing Georgia. I think it organically being a storyteller, we draw upon our own lived experiences. And so that's why we have a room full of different people with different backgrounds and different lived experiences, directors with different backgrounds and point of views and different experiences. So yeah, I find myself because we talk about our own breakups and our own family dynamics. We all talk about these things and do what's best for the character. But absolutely, Padma was named after one of my best friends, Padma Atlery, who passed away when she was like 40. Right before Sarah and I pitched the show to Netflix, my dog of 14 years passed away and it was his 14th birthday on the day we sold the show. His name was Brody. There's a character named Brody. There's a really interesting scene between Georgia and Marcus this season. It's very similar to a scene I had with a family member growing up. So yeah, a lot of things in our own lives get into the show and there's tons of moments. It's like, oh, that kind of happened in my life. It looks a little different and sounds a little different, but we're storytellers, right? But with being the showrunner, I can help name people and things that we get to talk about do end up in the show. But that is true with all the writers and with actors. We do try to insert things. You'll see all of our cast singing and playing instruments because they really do. We watch them on Instagram. We're like, oh, they can play the piano. Oh, Felix can do this. Becky Black can do that. Next thing you know, we're writing about it and we have a spring play. So we're always like, be careful what you put out there because we're going <laughs> to take it and we're going to make a big scene or a big story line about it. So 100% yes. I was a product of divorce growing up. And when I was in college, I was a major in radio, TV and film, and I was a minor in psychology. So I absolutely had, because being a teen, I was in therapy with my parents when I was very young. It was something that was very acceptable in my household. And my parents were super hippy dippy. So it deeply affected me as well, psychology and wanting to help. And I think that definitely would bleed over because it's something that's really important to me, not just psychology, but what I'm writing about, the things that we talk about in Ginny and Georgia, like mental health and things like that. It is very important to me. So in some way through art, being able to discuss these issues as well.
you can't make a TV show by yourself. We are here because of the work of 150 to 200 people over the course of four years. And it's so much hard work. It's so much love. The writers, the actors, the directors, the crew, everyone on set helping bring this to life. It takes so many people to make a TV show and to make it good. But you do have to have someone steering the ship and just try to get everyone on that collective vision together. And so I think we've done a good job Sarah being the creator, everyone likes to say she's like the ship and I'm steering it. We've got a really great balance and checks and balances too, because this is designed to have checks and balances, to agree, to disagree, to make this best choice for the show. So we have such a wonderful group and relationship of like, I don't know. I don't think about it. Let's look at this. Let's not do it this way. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Let's do it this way. Whatever's best for the show, it's always, 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 always best idea wins. What I look for when I'm meeting with new young writers, look, school, people's routes, they go different ways, right? Sometimes people go to college and they're writers or they haven't gone to college. I want people to be writing about things I've never written about. I want them to come in and tell me a story. I'm like, what'd you do this summer? And I don't want to hear, I sat in my apartment for three months and wrote, I want to hear you got this new hobby and you were out doing this crazy thing. You were rock climbing and jumping out of planes or whatever it is, or reading books in the mountains. The only way to be a great writer is to live a great life, live life. You have to get out there, travel, do something, go to movies by yourself, go to dinner by yourself, go sit in a restaurant by yourself. Have you ever done that? I do it all the time. I'm a people watcher. Do things that's going to make you a better writer. I'm really interested in hearing those kinds of stories. Look, I'm deeply impressed by people who've gone to Harvard and Yale and been plays and actors. I'm deeply impressed by that, but I'm really into people with a unique voice and we all have something. I'm different. I grew up different from you. You grew up different from me. I want to hear about you. What do you do? What are your hobbies? What do you do in your spare time? What are your favorite movies of all time? What cartoons were you watching growing up? Tell me a story. Those those are the things that I want to know. So those are the things I hope that are different from people that have been doing it for 20 years and they think they know this is how we do it and this is how it's done. Because I will say the new up and coming writers, they're less thinking about keeping it inside the box and how it's always done. It's like, well, can we try this? And I love, I'm like, well, we have always done it this way, but that's a great idea. Let's ask. Let's see if we can do it this other way. Because we're not thinking that way. It's always new ideas and new ways of doing things. That's what I love about upcoming writers. I'm currently mentoring three younger up and coming writers right now. And what I tell them, the first rule is I say, what would you write if no one else was going to see this? What is the thing that you would write? Don't think about what people are going to buy. Don't think about what people are going to watch. What is the thing that you need to say? And so one of them has come up with something so amazing. It's actually out there in the world right now being read by possible other producers. So I think it's very important because out in the world and we have so much access, which is great. But when you're on places like Twitter and TikTok and you're seeing trends and what people are buying and people try to fit themselves into boxes, I would say you have your own unique voice. You have something to say. And I want to read what you want me to read, not what your family or your agent or anyone thinks is going to sell. That's first and foremost. And also, if you want to be a writer, you need to be writing. There's so much like, how do you sit down? You sit your butt in the chair 
there and you tap the keys. That's the only way it's going to get it done. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. And then I tell kids too, this iPhone, you can make movies on. They go do it. You want to do it? Go film a five minute, 10 minute thing. You can do it. Early this summer, I get lots of DMs about people wanting to talk. And so I happened to see a comment on an old post and it was like, I want to talk to you. And I told my assistant, I said, please reach out to this person. It turns out her name is Ashley. I went and spoke to their whole class via Zoom. They were in Florida. They were graduating from high school that week. And we had this great talk and I was telling them all the things that I'm telling you. And they asked a lot of questions because some of their families want them to go be lawyers and accountants. And I said, look, tell your parents to give you a year. This is your passion, the arts. Make sure you're writing the thing or go film the stuff. You got to do it. You have to tell them, just give you a amount of time, give you a year. And so the young woman that found me and tracked me down and organized this whole thing, she was scared, but she applied to NYU and she got in. She got into Tisch School of the Arts. And she was like, it was all because of you. So I was like, do it, go do the thing. So it's like, I love inspiring and uplifting young voices. So I tell them, write like no one's gonna read it. And that's when something beautiful will come of it. We hope you enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, please subscribe to the Creative Process Podcast. Thank you for listening.